DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Utah's former athletic director, Dr. Chris Hill. Chris, good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. So I'm, uh, I'm curious here. Uh, I got a hold of you because the news broke that uh, the NCAA, instead of distributing $600 million, is going to distribute $225 million to schools. And, of course, with no NCAA basketball tournament, this makes sense. That's a massive event for the NCAA, and the money gets passed on to schools, and obviously there's going to be a lot less. But, man, this struck me as just, boy, just a, a massive drop in revenue. And uh, when you heard it, what was your immediate reaction? I'm glad I'm sitting here talking to you and retired. That's what my reaction was. <laughs> right? Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> but, yeah, my reaction was it's, you know, I'd be curious how each school is going to handle it. If, you know, if it's, just, if it's a one-time deal, uh, you know, because they're not going to make it up. If it's a one-time deal, that's a whole lot different than we see that going further. But, you know, the big thing is, is, is how long is this economy going to be keep going down and, you know, what's going to happen with football? Those are the issues that are also really, really big. a big deal and finances are a big deal at the collegiate level uh what impact do you think all of this is going to have whenever it does end as far as what the departments would need to do to make sure that they can get back to where they were well you know i I mean as we kind of comment a little bit yesterday you know there's different kinds of budgets in schools you know there's the power fives that have really big budgets and and not to you know, discount it, but if it's a one-time hit of a million dollars and, you know, you got a $100 million budget, you should have money in reserve. I know we did have some money in reserve, not huge. I mean, I shouldn't say it seems huge, but 4 to $5 million. At least when I left, I don't know what it is. It might be more, maybe less, who knows. But, uh, you know, the Power Five, I think, can take the hit, uh, you know, understand where it's at, uh, and the reality is, is the spring sports, it's kind of a sad thing they're not playing. At the same time, those are the sports that don't generate revenue, and all the travel and recruiting at that time are going to be expenses and not spent. And, you know, that's a, that's a lot of money. I mean, recruiting for football in the spring is huge. I think it's the month of May still. You know, so I see the Power Fives as different. Uh, but obviously, if, if football doesn't happen and it kills them, uh, you know, group of fives are the ones that worry me a little bit because usually their schools don't help them as much as the mid-majors, you know, and, and you know, they may be not able to take the hit as well, you know, and I, I'm talking about, you know, schools that are, you know, I don't know if Colorado State fits in that area, I don't know, and then there's the, you know, the area where Weber and those are with football, and, you know, I think their schools support them, you know more so it's funny the smaller your budget the school is more apt to help support you through something like this you know so uh, and the non-football playing schools may be a little tougher but i still would be confident that somehow the uh, school on a one-time basis might help them because you know some of the schools that are in you know playing basketball without football i mean 60 70 percent of their budget comes from the school so maybe they can kick in a little more to make that up so you know, I'd be nervous about it, but, you know, I'd be more nervous about the economy, people buying tickets and stuff like that. Chris Hill joining us, former Utah Athletic Director. Uh, 
You know, a big revenue stream for a lot of schools is uh, donors writing big checks, and donors tend to be invested in the stock market, and we all know what's going on there. I mean, it changes day to day, but, you know, big picture, it's it's way down, obviously. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. I mean, you see schools putting off their deadlines for football season sales, and that would be a huge concern, too. You know, that's, you know, depends on each individual school. You know, the the good news is that we have, uh, you not we, now the university, I'm not we anymore, that, uh, you know, the university has a lot of different donors and, and, you know, they're not relying on one or two that could go in the tank. But the other thing that I thought about, too, is our Learfield, you know, contract with, uh, with advertising and stuff, whether that's going to really drop like a rock. Those things happen, then well, it's going to be tough. Yeah, you say you wonder... Uh, y- it leads you to think that it could happen. When you say it's really tough, assume for a second that it is really tough. What can then the schools do then? Well, you know, it's going to be interesting because, you know, the, the NCAA thing, and I don't want to downplay that, but as we said, that could be a one-time hit. You know, you count on it, but you're, you're optimistic that it could come back, given how people are so bored in March without NCAA basketball in some ways. But I tell you right, you guys are on the mark. If those you know, donor dollars go down, which they will, you know, and if the, um, you know, advertising stuff goes down, some schools won't be able to sustain it. You know, I mean, if you have a, you know, $6 million reserve fund, you might be able to sustain that for a year or two to see if it comes back. But if you don't have that kind of budget and that kind of reserve, uh, schools are going to have to reduce, I would think. So I think even inside of the, you know, obviously it's one thing for the Power Five. It's another thing for the Group of Five. It's another thing for a school that doesn't play football or and then also football at a lower level. So you got kind of the four different areas in there. But if football takes the if – fo- if the football season takes a hit – Again, the the, uh, the impact isn't the same everywhere because the Power Five generates so much money. I mean, no football season wouldn't affect most of the West Coast Conference. Most of them don't play. But what happens to these five schools that have huge expenses and have 80% of the TV deal is probably on football, I read? What, what does that do to an SEC, Big Ten, ACC at that point, or Pac-12? Yeah, I, I mean, if you're talking the SEC – and you're talking the Big Ten, uh, they could sustain one year. I mean, I, you know, I, Nebraska has $100 million in their checking account, you know. So some of these schools could do it, and it may weed it out, and that's nervous. I mean, uh, I don't know if they could sustain it, though, at all, because so much of their donations and whatever. So if they don't have season, I think the, the Power Five schools are, are ones that are going to really suffer because, you know, they, the university's not going to help them out. You know, at least in general, they're not, unless you're Cal or somebody like that. We see now that everything has changed as far as the way we're doing business day to day. But you still get on Twitter and you see all these players 
fill-in-the-blank school. I've received my 15th scholarship offer or whatnot. So it's clear they're still doing recruiting. I'm wondering through this, and you talk about how spring recruiting is a major expense, since the, they're sort of a new way or a different way of doing it, do you think that going forward we could see some change and administrators could realize, hey, you can still recruit, but we don't need to be flying people all over the place. Do it the way you've been doing it now so maybe you can save some money in the long term. I, I think you're right. It could be something because the way we recruit now, all all kidding aside, or maybe not kidding aside, I mean, you're, you're coaching football and you show up at the school in the spring just to say Coach Jones was here. You know, then you have your jersey on and, you know, the joke in basketball is you go to a, a gym in Las Vegas for eight hours and uh, have your Utah jersey on and, and pretend you're interested just so the parent or yeah. player can see there. It's silly. To be real honest, it's silly. When I sat in my chair, I go, geez, but nobody wants to unilaterally disarm is the problem, but it would have to change. And, and a new way of recruiting makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, you know, you still want a kid to visit campus, I'm sure, but at the end of the day, so many of these kids have committed even before they've been to campus. You know, so I think you're right. That's a huge expense that if I were to look at it, just thinking about it right now, that would be one that I would love to see be changed. Although it's a lifeline, it's also, and I, now I can say this, but, you know, it, it's kind of a, a part of money you don't have to spend, really. I mean, you're just showing up is what you're doing sometimes. What about the schools that have been carrying a lot of debt? You talk about a school like Nebraska has huge reserves, but I've read stories about UCLA and Cal, and i got to imagine that they aren't the only two. Uh, but I lived in California, so I follow them closer. But what happens to those schools that are uh, in that kind of situation? Well, you're going to take a look at everything. You're going to take a look at every staff you have. You may level your sports. When I first started, we had, you know, a level one sports where you had four, two women and two men, where you you had the full allotment of scholarships, and they could be in-state and out-of-state. And then there was level two where you could only have, you know, maybe half in-state. And then there was level three where there, you didn't have all the scholarships. So I think you're going to reduce that down. You're going to take a look at the – you know, the, the the 16 guys in suits on basketball staffs and the 4,000 guys with red shirts on the side of a football and say, we don't need all these guys. You know, that's a hard thing to say. And and you're going to look at schools like Cal. I mean, why is Cal? I mean, God bless them, but this may be their excuse. Kind of along the, you, you said, Pat, that why do they need so many sports when they're, when they're losing money? You know, so it may cause people to... Uh, and more than one, which is nice. Like I said, unilaterally disarm is hard because you get clobbered by, all kidding aside, you get clobbered by, uh, uh, you know, the media, and then you're, the fans will do it and say, well, Utah doesn't committed to being big time, and, you know, before you know it, you're alone out there. Yeah, right, I got you. But, you know, I've been in those gyms in Vegas that you speak of, and it is just like a who's who of coaches with their shirts on, with their logos, and that's it. And they're all just sitting there. Yeah, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. You know? Right. <laughs> it's a joke. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. coaches, coaches will tell you that. I can tell you that now because I, I don't have a coach that would get mad at me for that. You know? But, you know, the coaches know it. They don't want to sit there in a 105-degree weather outside and hot inside and sit there all day just to say they're there. I've actually seen prominent coaches who've won national titles stand in lobbies so they can just have that, what do they call it, incidental bumping into so they can uh, just say hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, 
And I don't think, you know, the kids don't. I can't believe they're impressed with that. I really can't. You know, it's more, can you pay attention to them, you know, electronically? Are there other things you can do? Can you have a, you know, a, a what's it, Zoom or something with a family and, yeah. and go through right. some things and talk to them? And, you know, the, the, you know, right now we have students that that's how they're learning in high school. You know, I have grandkids now. They're not high school, but I have grandkids now. They're doing Zoom today. You know? Correct. And so uh, I think in a kind of a weird way, uh, now the schools that have ridiculous amount of money aren't going to want to do that because they're going to want to try to outspend everybody to put them out of business. But, you know, I think this is a chance to maybe, because it's desperate times, take desperate measures. I don't know who said that, but, uh, you know, that may happen now. And it would be good because it clean up some things we waste money on. I mean, I had an expression with the staff. <laughs> I can't use the word, but it was kind of the bag of crap theory. You know, they have a bag of crap, so we need a bag of crap. And if we had two bags of crap, we might be able to recruit them. So this, literally somebody would come in the office. I said, is this a bag of crap thing? And, you know, is it something we really don't need, but we're just trying to keep up with the Joneses, which is yep. kind of a joke, you know. I mean, it's, you know, they do this at X school, so we got to do it, because how can we not get them if we don't do it, you know? So those things may have to be left out. I was talking to Morgan Scally about recruiting Texas, and I said, you know, I, I, I've actually had a couple people I know who've relocated to the Austin-San Antonio area, and I'm like, that area's just blowing up. Uh, how much do you look at kids from there? And he said, well, I go to Houston and Dallas, he says, within like the Houston airport in a two-hour circle, there are more schools there than there are in the whole state of Utah. And he said, I only have so much time. You know, the NCAA's got rules, and I've got these responsibilities, and I've got the NCAA window to fit it into, and I've got just the physical time of driving from school to school and going into the school and talking to whoever I've got to talk to and, you know, seeing whoever i got to see. But then I've got, you know, it takes so many more minutes in traffic. He says, I just don't have time. There's, There's too many people. There's too many schools. It's too big. And I'm thinking... Well, there's a Morgan Scally who's got that job responsibility at every school. Everybody's recruiting Texas. All the time on the airplane, all the time clearing security. It's bad for the coach's um, you know, personal life. That's a bunch of dead time. You're not with your family or your friends. It's expensive for the school, and it's not really that efficient. He could, sitting in his office in 10 or 15-minute segments, he could call, text, or do you know, FaceTime or Zoom meetings or whatever with way more people. It seems like this really is a chance for people who want to reset it to try to reset it. Uh, yes, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I thought about that, and I'm glad you brought it up because it really is. And you, you may have to look at some of the craziness of how we spend money. And you're right. There's so much time wasted on the plane, so much time on renting your car and driving. Mm-hmm. And then you go see the kid, and he's actually you know, 30 pounds lighter than you thought he was. And you're going, oh, my God. So all of a sudden you wasted all that time on a guy you don't want. And it also back on campus, and again, I hate to be negative, but there are a lot of people that do a lot of administrative work about recruiting because the coaches are all gone. And it may come back where the coaches spend, you know, time at home doing recruiting and save that time from on the road. So there's there's areas that I think it, if it could be cleaned up, maybe it will. Because I I think that that's a good point you guys are making. I think there are some things to to recalibrate what we're doing. 
I'm wondering, too, on the scheduling, because you talk about times on flights. Uh, you know, Utah went back to northern Illinois and all that stuff. And I know this year they're going to go to Wyoming. So why not keep the scheduling non-conference in, in all the sports, really, more localized? And, and even if you had to play somebody twice, they say in basketball, a home-and-home home in a non-conference, you know, why not do that if you can save money? Yeah, I would think that with the, the sports that generate money, that may be a little less likely. You know, but you got, uh, you got baseball and softball who play 56 games. You've got to be kidding me. 56 games? I mean, they miss so much class, it's silly. And why, you know, they could reduce the number of games they play and still have a wonderful season. I mean, so, uh, and it costs just as much to fly a baseball player as it does a basketball player. So, uh, you know, I think you, we got back to the fan attendance thing, and I think that, you know, playing more a couple, a national team every year, I think, helps your season ticket sales. But there's so many other sports that you could reduce and make it regional, that's for sure. Chris Hill joining us here. Uh, one thing that surprised me about this cut from $600 million to $225 million in the NCAA payout is uh, we've heard how the payout has averaged out over six years. So this right. seems like a big hit. And I was wondering, does that mean there's going to be a hit like this for the next five years? Because there ought to be some revenue being rolled forward from the last five years. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point. I mean, and, and some people, it's really hard to do a good job explaining that once you're about the six-year roll. But how about this year with the Pac-12? They've had some down years in basketball. Now all of a sudden they're looking at, you know, uh, six, seven teams getting in. They win a couple games. That becomes like ten units, and that's you know, more million. Let's say eight or more thousand more than they got to average the last five years. And now I can tell you're falling asleep, but that does roll on. You know, so here, that's a big deal. I didn't think about till just now that it could cost the Pac-12 a little more money, or or opportunity money they didn't have. So we know that the winter and spring sports got canceled and that the spring sports are going to get their eligibility back. I really don't see how you can give winter sports eligibility back because you look at, okay, BYU they, and, and Utah State, they didn't get to go to the tournament. But Utah season was effectively done. They didn't have any seniors of note this year, so it really doesn't apply to them. But they very well could have had two or three. So my point being, and I want to get your thought on it, is I don't see how the NCAA can give back a year of eligibility for winter sports people, even if it would have meant uh, they had an opportunity to play in the tournament because it's maybe one or two games. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see it happening. You know, um, and I'm going to miss on his name, but the really good player from Utah State who made that bucket to win, what's his name? Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill. Yeah, I mean, I saw an interview on him, and, you know, you've mentally gone through the season. You you know this is your last season, uh, and you can't replicate it. They may not be in the same position next year to have the great year they had, and then you come back for a year, and it's a bummer. Plus, I think people are ready to move on. So if they're honest, I think the players would want to move on. And I, and I don't see it making any sense to, to take care of the winter sports that way. It doesn't make any sense. It's a shame that it happened, but it, it doesn't make any sense to give them another year. Bronco Mendenhall gave an interview back in Virginia, and he was talking about the potential impact on the football season and said that um, – Everyone needs to start thinking about what a shortened season looks like. And he said, maybe, I mean, nobody, nobody knows, 
but maybe there'll be a window for like an eight or nine game season, conference only games. Does that make sense to you as a potential option? How small could the season get and still be a season? Yeah, again, every, everything that we we talk about here is, is driven by the the really really the the uh, power five schools and and also the ones that make you know uh, Saturdays a twelve million dollar day, and so that's going to be hard for them to drop back like that. You know, we used to only play eleven games, and we went to twelve to generate more money, uh, kind of like the NFL did, and. Um, I don't see it going back, you know, the games, because the argument will be, uh, you know, the kids enjoy games. How can we cut that one opportunity? You're still going to practice as much, blah, 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 blah. So I just don't see that happening. I could see schools, leagues playing each other more. You know, I could see why not, you know, the SEC, that's why they're playing now playing some Power 5 schools. I mean, Utah's taken advantage of that with, I think they got Florida and somebody else I can't remember. Arkansas. Yeah, but that's because the SEC doesn't want to play nine league games. But, you know, why not 10 for the Pac-12, you know, and have a closer team, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, sure. That's part of the scheduling adjustments that they can make to save money and all that stuff. Uh, we, you have spoken about how fundraising is such an critical component of the job. Uh, if you're an AD today, under the circumstances, are you that much more nervous about fundraising? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was kind of like 2008, uh, and, and you're worried there. This, this may be more permanent, you know, if you looked at how many jobless number, what the jobless numbers are now, it's... It went down pretty darn fast. I mean, it wasn't like in 08, you drove by every restaurant and it was empty and all those people were laid off. So it's going to make a big difference. And the person that's running the the restaurant is not going to have the money available they did. And the foundations that give money, you have money in stock. You know, so you take the, you know, the Eccles Foundation or something like that, at no fault of their own, they're going to have less money to distribute. But again, I I can't forget about... Those 20 schools that are totally independent financially make money hand over fist. They may try to squeeze everybody and could could form another division. Who knows? All right, Chris, a lot of stuff to think about there. We appreciate your time and the expertise. Thanks for uh, coming out of retirement for 15 minutes and uh, sharing some knowledge. All right, well, good. Good to, good to visit with you guys. You All take right. care. Have a great day, and make sure you... It's, aren't near each other okay <laughs> we're not <laughs> it's a, it's a serious thing and you know I'm, all of us are taking it real serious and it's it's awkward but it, you know it's also the right thing to do so it's an you know it's just the way it's got to be yeah. so thank you gang thank you, you chris all right there's chris hill utah athlete ex utah athletic director 31 years on the job bring a lot of perspective and uh it just really kind of underlines, PK, that it's a different situation for different leagues, and then even inside of leagues, it's a different situation inside each conference for different schools. You know, can, can Gonzaga weather this easier than, you know, a Loyola Marymount or a USD or whoever? Well, yes, they can, obviously. And then even within Gonzaga, just Gonzaga itself, I think it's obvious to say men's basketball can weather it more than the other sports at Gonzaga. You know, what's going to happen? What's going to be the cutback? There is so much excess out there. We see that. Uh, and 
I don't want to see any sport cut. I don't, I don't care about women's or men's tennis. But those people who play women's or men's tennis, they care. And I want to see them have the opportunity to play women's or men's tennis. And, and, and one of the other things, too, you know, this has always driven me crazy. I go because I, I, my, my, my brain is wired ridiculously. And I'll look at fill-in-the-blank local schools, women's tennis team. Nobody pays attention to it. And I see they recruit seven girls from way overseas. Why? Why are we doing this? I mean, are you going over? Are you going like Mark Pope and going to fly over and visit these people? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're not. So maybe it's not costing you any more money. But it just seems like there's a lot of fat that could be trimmed. But hopefully not be trimmed at the expense of eliminating the sport. Big decisions, fine lines. You know, one person's fat is still another person's livelihood. We sit here and talk about how I don't think the coaches need to be flying all over the place recruiting. I think there's a lot of good arguments. And yet at the same time, somebody in the, who works in the travel industry is like, and there goes more money. So it's, it's fat to one person, but it's the essence of the job to somebody else. You know, fewer rent-a-cars, those are jobs. Fewer airplanes, flights, you know, those are jobs. So... Yes, but colleges, their job is not to right. uh, yeah, fund yeah. uh, rent-a-cars. Uh, yeah. We're talking about a public institution that receives public money here. So it's I a think we different. see where it's trending. There'll be changes. There'll be cuts. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Brought to you in part by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing to get your winter furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. Big Show show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. You ready? You guys ready? George Niang with us here on The Big Show. As you reflect back on what you've experienced thus far in the season up until two weeks ago, what identity has formed around this team? How would you describe that? I think the identity that's formed around us is we're a team. We may not have the most talent, but I think all together, when we come together as one, we can be the most talented team. If we continue to do things as a team, I think it's tough for anybody to beat us. When we're clicking on all cylinders and the ball's hopping and we're playing as a team and we have each other's back defensively, I think we're a really hard team to beat. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm both sad and happy right now, PK. I'm happy. I'm happy to be talking to Kyler from Marley's Gourmet Sliders. I'm, I'm sad I'm not sitting there and he's not throwing a big old plate of uh, French toast in front of me. You know, you can, you can still come through. Makes the sense now. We, we got you. <laughs> Kyler, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Oh, we're all right. We're, uh, we're putting a spotlight on how various businesses, various advertisers are adapting to the, uh, the new era the last two weeks. It, we, with all the news, how, how have you changed era. things up? Yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've got our drive-thru rocking. We, you know, we've, probably the majority of our customers are coming through the drive-thru. You can also come in and, and you know, do takeout. Um, 
We've set up online ordering, so you can hop on our website, order online. Um, you can even hop on our website, and, and there's a phone number on there. Um, you can order through text and pay through text. So so we're doing whatever we can to make it convenient for our customers to come through. But but we've got the drive throughs going in both Linden and South Jordan, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. So the hours still staying the same? Yeah. Yeah, and we're open from 8 o'clock till 8 o'clock in the morning, starting to serve breakfast, and we serve until uh, 9 o'clock at night. So hours are the same. Um, we've even got our food truck going right now. So we're, we've been in different neighborhoods and different areas trying to, you know, there, we know there's still some offices open, and, and you know, we're serving, we're serving hospital employees and, and, you know, whoever we can. So we're still rocking. So it's a uh, it's a Friday, obviously. Are the Saturday hours any different? If somebody's thinking about the bottomless French toast tomorrow morning, um, no. So we start our we start our Saturday morning breakfast at eight o'clock. It goes until eleven um, in both stores, and so you can you know you can run in and grab some. You can go through the drive through. Um, we'll load you up. So so come check it out. So how does the bottomless French toast work? Because I know when I'm sitting in there, you just walk back up and you just you just keep hitting them like, yeah, we got French toast as long as you got an appetite. And eventually you beat everybody down. That's how it works. How does it work with the drive through for the people who are coming for what is your most popular breakfast? So then the drive through if you're getting the bottomless, we'll start you out with a double portion. And if you come back, we'll, we'll hook it up. We're not scared, so... Um, we do that, but you know my favorite's the breakfast burrito. We've got an awesome breakfast burrito. Um, bottomless French toast and pancakes are both great. And you know we every Saturday we actually do cinnamon rolls that we bake in house. We make them from scratch, so we do an awesome you know handmade cinnamon roll as well. And for people who are looking to eat lunch uh, later today, run through the little lunch menu and uh, make them salivate. Make them want to go to that drive-through. Come on, Tyler. I know you can do it. Come on, Kyle. Yeah. Make it happen. So we we've still got our sliders. We've got my favorite's the handsome Rob. It's got a sweet and spicy buffalo sauce on it. It's got a thick cut bacon. Um, can't go wrong there. I really like the killer. It's a spicy breaded chicken sandwich. Um, but we've got you know a little bit of everything. We've got a pulled turkey sandwich. We've even got a filet mignon slider, so you know we've got a three-ounce cut of steak on on a slider. You can come through the drive-through, and you know if you're feeling fancy today, come through and get a filet mignon slider. Ooh, and we'll leave it right there—the filet mignon <laughs> slider. All right, Kyler. Well, good luck. Thanks for uh, thanks for feeding all the people at hospitals. I know people appreciate that. Get that food truck to as many as you can. Good work. Thank you. Thanks for calling. All right, Marley's Gourmet Sliders. Check them out online. they got locations in Linden, and the Linden location's right off I-15, just west of the, uh, it's probably about 30 seconds west of the freeway. And then uh, South Jordan, right off of uh, Bangor Highway. Marley's, check them out online or in Linden and South Jordan. All right, DJ PK, it is time for us to catch you up to date on everything that you missed in this show today. And it is brought to you uh, by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. Uh, PK, for the uh, the people who missed this earlier in the show, in the 8 o'clock hour, uh, everybody's in isolation. So you got thinking, 
Who do you want to talk to in isolation, one-on-one? You're locked up in the house. You can't go anywhere. But you've got this sports figure right there, and you just get to chat him up about anything. I think Jimmy Johnson would be fascinating. He knows a lot about football. He knows a lot about college football, a lot about pro football. Obviously, right in the middle of all kinds of drama when he was with the Dallas Cowboys. I think he'd be fascinating. But you've got people, not just current, but across history you want to talk to. Yeah, historically, I think I would want to speak to Bill Parcells. He's always been, I don't want to say a hero, but somebody, you know, he's half Italian, half Irish from Jersey. I know somebody really well who's exactly that, and, of course, that would be me. And uh, so he's gone through a lot, and he knows Belichick, and he knows Kraft, and just uh, knows Lawrence Taylor and the success he had there. So I would go with him. Uh, Guys like uh, Pete Carroll would be interesting to me. Uh, as far as uh, guys that are out there right now. Jason Garrett to see how come the Cowboys could never really get over the hump. What What is the problem there? And they can change coaches. It'll be interesting to see if there's any results that are different there. And then, of course, Jackie Robinson, just to see. Uh, I could never walk in his shoes, obviously. I don't know that anybody can walk in another man's shoes. But to be able to talk to him would be a lot of fun. And then yeah, – I. I got to say, you know, I'd want to know, Joe DiMaggio, what was it like to be with Marilyn Monroe? He's not spilling beans on that. He's way too private. (laughs) Come on, PK. Okay, here's one that didn't come up earlier. As long as we're going back in the day, this didn't occur to me right away because it's not a sport I follow. It's obviously not as big as it used to be. But Jesse Owens won four gold medals in Berlin in front of Adolf Hitler. What was the vibe there? I mean, talk about a -a one-of-a-kind situation that, I mean, you know, you can't walk in somebody else's shoes. You can't know. That's got to be an experience that very few people can relate to. I would want to hear about that. Now, I was watching on ESPN Last night, they're replaying the O.J. stuff. And Johnny Cochran, in his closing arguments, you know, basically referred to Mark Furman and the Los Angeles Police Department and referenced Adolf Hitler. Quite the price to pay to uh, get somebody off for, for somebody who killed two people. But nevertheless, that's what they decided to do. Speaking of Adolf Hitler, I didn't think we'd be talking about Adolf Hitler this morning. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't Jesse either. Owens, yeah. But Jesse Owens has got a story to tell. You love stories. The world's fastest human, 100 meters, 200, long jump, uh, relays. And so did the whole thing. It was right there, right in the middle of all of it. Uh, you know, someone else who uh, could go on the list, um, nobody's brought him up, but for a generation of people, and it'd be older than us, and I don't know if it'd be your dad or if it'd go back a generation before that. It'd probably be your dad, though. Um, you mentioned DiMaggio. Wouldn't a lot of people want to talk to Mickey Mantle? I would think so. I know Billy Crystal would. Legend. You went to uh, Yogi Berra's neighborhood. That'd be awesome. Yogi, give me all the stories. You were there oh, that for was it fun. all. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, the hill, it's called, in St. Louis... It's, it's an Italian neighborhood because they used to have, and obviously they still do at the Hill, and, and like where, where my mother grew up, uh, and where my father grew up for that matter, in New Jersey, you know, they were ethnically, uh, a lot of the folks were the same. 
on my grandparents' street. There, pretty much everyone was Italian on that street back in the day when I was growing up. So yeah, they, yeah, just it was fun to walk in front of Yogi Bear's house, and they've got a bunch of stuff there that lets you know that that's Yogi Bear's house too. Right across the street, Joe DiMaggio's house uh, was more low key. They just had a little plaque in the sidewalk. On Yogi's house, they had a sign that said, this is where Yogi Berra grew up. And they had a golf cart in the driveway. And the driveway was one of these deals. It was a long driveway. And the, the garage is actually in the back. It's not connected to the house. And you'll see a lot of that stuff over in Sugar House, the older neighborhoods. And uh, there was a golf cart. That was a Yankee golf cart in the driveway. So that was fun. I wonder about uh, going to visit uh, somebody who... Um, and, and hanging out in isolation with somebody who, like, crossed over, who had multiple careers. You know, the athletes who've gone on to do other stuff. I mean, for people who want all the political dirt, someone like uh, Jim Bunning, uh, this name, I don't remember much about him. My dad, he's more my dad's era. But he pitched in the uh, pitched no-hitters in both leagues, so he's always the answer to this trivia question. And then he went and served. He was in, the, I think, the House of Representatives for years. J.C. Watts, the Oklahoma quarterback, has been there for a long time. He had somebody who crossed over and had, a, had an awesome – what other athletes had great second careers – after they left and did something really interesting. Because if you're in isolation with somebody, I mean, you hear the sports stories for a while, but then you're going to want to know more. So somebody who doubled up, had some second great career? Well, Donald Trump. He, owed the, uh, he owned the New York to New Jersey Generals. Then I think he went on to something else. <laughs> I think I've heard about that. Uh, catch you up on other stuff. We had David Locke on. Golf, is this going to be a revolution in the long run? The hole with the cup above the ground? Pace of play, that's a major bonus. I do not think so. Tradition, huh? Yes, I, I do not think so. Yeah, I think that that's, that's too much in terms. I'm all for tweaking rules to make the sports better. But I think that's altering the nature of the game. It would be like moving the hoop. Yeah, it's a fundamental nine feet or something. And I, yeah, I just I I don't see it. I don't moving the mound. You can tweak the 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 length, not the length, but the height of the mound, which they've done. But moving it back, something or moving the basketball court to ninety-seven feet. I I I, I just think this was. This is a temporary thing, and that when we get through this, that they'll go back to, then you don't have to worry about touching the pin so you can take it out, and you don't have to worry about putting your hand into the cup so you can go down and reach and get your ball. We also had Chris Hill on this morning, and he talked about uh, the hit athletic departments are taking it. The whole thing is triggered by the NSA. The $600 million payout is now $225 million this year. But he talked about the other hits, you know, donors. Uh, first off, donors not having as much money to give. And then second, I think we have to think, you know, people were giving it to you. Maybe they've given athletics, but now are they going to want to give, you know, to the med school? You know, because that just seems more appropriate in these times or give to a food bank or whatever else. I would think that uh, the financial pressures and, you know, will, will they be able to have a football season? Will we be able to have crowds of 50,000 people together in the fall? Is that going to be a good idea or not? Uh, a lot of pressure on athletic departments. So it's pretty interesting talking to Chris about different things that could be cut as far as uh, travel or some support staff, recruiting budgets. Uh, there, there were a lot of things. Some money offset, he said, by not traveling the spring teams. 
Yeah, and you had uh, teased a little bit of Kirk Herbstreet a couple segments ago. Why don't you follow through with that? Yeah, so Kirk Herbstreet is thinking that the odds that there will be a limited or no football this fall, the people should really be considering that, planning for it, and adjusting to it. He thinks the odds of a complete football season being played are not good. Not good. And, you know, the thing is, when you're Kirk Herbstreet, you have a chance to get people on the phone and talk to them. When I hear someone like that um, throwing that out, I think he's not coming up with that out of thin air. He's talking to commissioners. He's talking to athletic directors and football coaches. And they're probably talking to people in their med schools and in state government. Uh, he is just I, I just don't believe that Kirk Herbstreet's throwing that out, out of thin air. You know, there's something behind that. And, you know, putting people together, no, no groups of more than 10. And we hear how dangerous that is. And we hear how many people are getting sick. And, and now we see how many people are, are dying. You think if people were just out there leading their life as we did every single day last September, October, November, what would the numbers be? Uh, Boris, uh, Boris Johnson, uh, the, um, who's running... Uh, uh, things at 10 Downing Street now in the UK, and he shook hands with people in a hospital, including people who had the coronavirus, and now he's got it. If everybody were shaking hands now the way they did in October, how much more staggering would the numbers be? And so are we going to be able to go back to that well, next obviously October? Be way, yeah, uh, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on hopefully. But um, <laughs> I just don't know how much... I don't know, are we going to be like this forever? It? I mean, when's it going to end? Well, When's it going to stop? Well, I'm certainly counting on you know the 12 to 18 months for a vaccine that when we're vaccinated, things change. Can it change before then? I certainly hope so. Yak and I were talking about it, you know, just classic uh, 21st century Americans with no patience whatsoever. We're two weeks in and we're like, okay, when does this end? You know, and we've been told 60 days for sure, right? Cuban's saying the right side of June 1st. Well, that's a, two I, months out. I hope he's right. And I got to admit, I was surprised when he said it. But man, I hope he's right. But I was kind of thinking he'd be on the other side of June 1st for this. But again, when someone like Cuban says that, I don't think he's flying off the handle. I don't think anybody knows for sure. I don't think Herb Street or Cuban or whoever knows for sure. When I see Dr. Uh, Anthony Fossey out there, who's done this his whole life, and he's saying, well, you plan and you hope for something and you plan for a month or two or three down the road, but you constantly look at the data and see how things are going because this thing's brand new. We don't actually know how it's going to behave. But he was floating, Fauci was floating the thought that it'll get better in the summer. Not that it'll go away, that it would get better in the summer, but maybe it'll be back in the fall. And that's based on the cases they're seeing in South America, where obviously their seasons are opposite of ours. So there's still a ton of questions out there, but I, I hope Cuban's right, but I'm afraid he isn't. Certainly hope so. All right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really think people tune into our show to get an update on the coronavirus. DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback on today's show coming up. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. What person would you want to be isolated with? We're all uh, sitting around at home. You're just sitting around. Who from the world of sports would you want to be isolated with? Swamp Eye Josh says, none. I don't know these people. I wouldn't want to be trapped with them. 
Utah. That's the very reason, because you don't know them. You want to get to know them. Utah Cameron Crazy says Joe Ingles, and it's not even close. And then, Why? then Joe Ingles tweeted at us. I was going to say. Everyone knows I'm the right answer. <laughs> Joe. It's all about me. Joe, 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 Joe. <laughs> Although someone tweeted at him and said, Joe, you're the second answer. Renee Angles is the first answer. Come on, you know it, Joe. So Renee gets a well, shout out. Well, not just Renee. It's not just Renee. You know who it is? Uh, no idea. <laughs> who? Uh, Renee, Renee and the kids. Of course it would be. You're welcome. <laughs> if I answered it, you wouldn't get to. <laughs> Renee and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a little things to entertain you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, we're out of time. Right, You're gonna- Jay's Nation, it's me, Joe Ingleson. Um, uh, a lot of people asking me about why the Jays are struggling, and um, I just wanted to say a couple of things about that. And- um, it's hard to say. We just need to trust each other as a team. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, I just I've got two kids at home, and Renee and Jacob and the kids. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you couldn't be more pleased, could you? That's funny. <laughs> that's, that's the best. <laughs> that is funny. He doesn't like it, but I don't care, which makes me <laughs> like it even more. <laughs> it's good to be a contrarian. <laughs> yes. The first time I called you a chicken trailer and you go, and you know who else called me that? Rick Majerus. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> All right. Get me this far. Thanks to David Locke and Chris Hill for joining us today. Have a good weekend. We will see you Sunday night on Talking Sports and back here Monday morning from 6 to 10 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.